The following audio content was recorded at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit upc.org. Hey, let me say a prayer for us to get us going. Lord, thank you for the chance to be together tonight and the opportunity that you give us to, uh, to sit and think and to contemplate how we might uh, live uh, in such a way that we experience life as you intended and that we can encourage that life in those that we're closest to, especially our spouse. And so that's what I, uh, we, we pray for and we desire, that we would uh, be ones who receive life and give life. Um, that's our hope. And so whatever might happen tonight, help that to be the end result uh, for us in our variety of places that we come from tonight. Um, help, uh, help us. Also for Sherry and I uh, to be able to, uh, to speak clearly uh, tonight and, and where it's confusing, Lord, we do ask that the Holy Spirit would make it clear um, and uh, just continue to ask that you would, uh, we would be sensitive to you and your spirit uh, in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, glad that you're back. It's a good sign when people keep showing up. We don't Sun's going done. well. We're kind of sad, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we don't we don't want to be done. So we'll be <laughs> we'll be those people that come back, Ryan, if people want to talk about more things. If we know anything about the topic, we'll come back. Hey, um, let's get started by just doing a little recap. I don't know if this is true in your relationship, but Sherry and I always joke that men are recappers. It's the reason why ESPN Sports Center has been such a success. <laughs> it is. I mean, people men love to recap, and that happens probably in your marriage. Sometimes Sherry doesn't like it when it happens after lovemaking. Like, I wanna... like, do we have to recap every time? <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's recap. <laughs> what just happened? But uh, there. I... I know. Anybody new here tonight? That's the we way it is. The it's hard it is. Just so you know. We yeah, cross so. the line a lot, just so you know. Anyway, so, uh, and you think it, we have questions coming at the end. Yes. So tonight, two different talks. We're going to share what we want to talk about in the, the third week, and then we're going to do Q and A uh, later on. So, but we want to uh, do. We want to just kind of start with a little bit of recap. The first week we talked about leave and cleave. That's the little line that we use. But really, the the, the gist of it is what I wrote up here is, is going from the me team to the we team. Matter of fact, just tonight, I was reaching into the fridge after we had dinner. I was pulling out a piece of chocolate that we keep in the fridge. I was pulling out one of those little Dove chocolate bars. You know, a little tiny little. And as I'm taking it out, Sherry just looks at me and goes, "We team, we team." And I was like, yes, "And she was standing right there." I wanted to go. Anything out of I wanted to go. You're standing right there. You could have got one, but instead, I just gave it to her. And then I saw some pumpkin cheesecake, and I ate that instead. But <laughs> anyway, we team. Uh, that that's that that's what we're moving towards from uh, this kind of self-centered uh, me world. That, as we talked about that first week, week includes a lot of family too, and all this family of origin that you're coming from. And so there's this family that's attached to this me part, but the goal that we're moving to, what God is moving to is, is two becoming one, to move into this thing, this we team idea. And that's what you're growing towards. And you have to be really careful, as in everything we talk about, that you have to be careful that you don't expect yourselves to be super at this, the beginning. I mentioned last time we were together, the time before, that you start as amateurs. You're amateurs. That's where you are. You're amateurs. There's one friend of mine one time said when we were talking about climbing Mount Rainier, he said, we're a step below amateur. Some of you probably feel like you're a step below amateur when it comes to this, and you have to keep that in mind. 
Week two. Okay, so week two. Last week we talked about hot and heavy, and our acrostic was alive. And so the things we talked about last week were always date, lighten up, influence one another, value and respect, and expectations. And we added enjoy to to that. That yeah. led us into our sex segment. Um. If you had ever been here to, uh, I, there wasn't anyone really that had to come to our Before You Buy the Ring No. Here. But if you were to come to that, one of the things we talk a lot about are characteristics of a healthy relationship. And one of the things we talk about is chemistry. And chemistry, how we define chemistry is we say chemistry is a necessary but insufficient ingredient for a great relationship. So you have to have that kind of it factor it's kind of what draws you together in the first place. But, uh, you know, over time, people can kind of lose that connection they felt, that chemistry they felt like when they were dating. And you have to continue to cultivate that. And so that's what we were getting at last week, is those kinds of things, always dating, laughing together, having a good sense of humor, all those things, you're cultivating your chemistry and you're keeping your, your relationship connected. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really important. Um, Mike and I tend to have good chemistry naturally, but if we neglected to do all of those things, our chemistry would go out the window. So mm -hmm. we would just basically encourage you to attend to that part of your relationship, to do those things. Well, you were talking to me about falling out of love, too. I did talk about that. Um, Not with me. But well, okay, so I think, I think that's how kind of culture defines that. When the culture has lost, culturally, I hear people, couples say, like you hear this in Hollywood a lot of times, we just, fell out of love. You know, that's a common reason why people divorce. They fell out of love. That's what they called it. And and that doesn't happen. People don't just fall out of love. They quit cultivating their relationship is what happens. And so, um, actually, I, I heard this one couple say, how is it that you were married for 50 years? And they said, we never fell out of love at the same time. Meaning when one person's chemistry for the other one was kind of waning, the other person was right there fighting for them. And when the reverse happened, the other person was stepping up and fighting for their relationship. So um, I think that's just a good reminder that even in times where we feel like we're not getting the 100% return on our effort, it's good to, to keep at it. And keep pushing, pushing through when the other person's not even. Well, yeah, because the tendency it. is when the other person is acting like that, then to turn away too and go, well, not until she does whatever right. am I going to turn back. But right. it's always turning towards. And when you're in that place, and that place happens for people in their relationship, continue to remember you cultivate. Right. So alive was last week. Okay, and then this week we're talking about invest and invite. And this maybe not is maybe not the, the sexiest of all the things that we talk about, but we think it's incredibly important. And the subtitle to this is your marriage as a ministry to the world around you. Um, I think it's important for us to keep that in mind. I think marriage defined by a lot of the world is that it's about my fulfillment. We talked about that a bit the first week. That marriage is often we get married out of for self fulfillment. You fulfill me, and you're gonna, and then that's why we do it. And, but when, when you come from a Christian worldview, then you actually have a different perspective. And that is a perspective that says somehow and for some reason the two of us being together is better than either one of us being apart. And there's something that can be, uh, there's something that we can do in this world that's, that, that's very unique to us because of the unique thing that's happening to us. And so we believe that our, our life is a life that can be invested. It ought to be invested as a couple. Matter of fact, for us to experience, 
I think the, the, the full fruit of what God intended when he said two will become one, we need to be thinking about what it means for us to invest our life together as a couple. And so we want to talk about that um, a little bit. <laughs> I got... I just have to, remember, okay? I have to remember. Michael's having hot flashes. I'm having hot flashes. I'm like I having for him to tip sympathy over. menopause over here or yeah, something yeah, yeah. going on here. So, <laughs> so you'll, you'll have that, man. Sympathy pregnancies, all kinds of stuff. This week, uh, what we want to do is, is, is talk about this in, in the impact this has. So the first thing is this. Um, and Ryan already started talking about this, and that is, what does it mean for you to invest in a community of people? Do you have a community of people that you're investing in or are you guys living alone? Remember the first week we talked about being together uh, in a couple's group and one couple shows up, or actually not one couple, one person shows up in the relationship at, at, our, at our small group. And so they were participating in this community together, but yet we had no idea that the marriage was falling apart. And for those of you that don't remember the story and weren't here for it, the, 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 the woman showed up and let us know that her husband had moved to New York. We thought, well, are you moving too? And she said, no, we're getting a divorce. Nobody knew that the relationship uh, was in shambles. Now, they had committed to being part of a small group, being part of a community, uh, but they really hadn't chosen to really invest in that community, to, to really to, to, to take the time to allow other people to truly get to know them and, and to be a part of it. And so it's important for us to think about the fact that we as a couple are not an island unto ourselves, but that we're part of a much bigger community. And I say, take Ryan up on some of these opportunities that he brought to you uh, and is sharing with you uh, for you to get plugged into a community that's bigger than yourself. Invest in community uh, becomes important. I think that's, a matter of fact, the first thing uh, for you to be thinking about is where are you as a couple investing as a community? Somebody we know that just recently got uh, married was asking this question because they, they actually met at a church, a, a, you know, a wonderful church that they were going to, uh, but something didn't sit right with them in this church. And so as they were as they were dating and then they were getting engaged, they started to ask the question, is this the best place to, for us to invest? And they felt like it was just too big of a church and that they really couldn't get to know other people and that they kind of were known separately as, you know, as, as individuals, but as a couple, it felt a little bit different. And they decided to, to make a commitment to visit some other churches that were smaller where they felt like they could be known as a couple and what, as they could get to know other people as well in the church. And so they took this big step and, and left this church that they met in uh, to become a part of another church where they actually not only um, uh, have people who know them, uh, but that they feel like they, they actually can begin to invest in this community because it's a smaller church, mm -hmm. which is going to lead to our second point. Right. And that is um, investing in something that you're doing together. And we have found, I mean, basically our life has been about this. And it, it, we didn't go seeking this out. It wasn't like we were wise at your age and said, oh, we really need to be investing something together. I mean, I feel like God really pulled us along a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But um, there's something that's very, very significant to a marriage and realizing that you're a part of something that's much bigger than yourselves. And... Um, so rolling up your sleeves and diving into something together is amazing. To work towards something together is amazing. And it really does bring you closer. So, I mean, we can give you lots of examples, but I'll just give you one example. For, for many, many years here at UPC even, I led a group of core group, a core group. Some of you maybe didn't. I know the Sodanos have done that. So I led a group of um, college girls um, 
several times, and Mike would lead a group of college guys. So it wasn't like we were together every second, but we were doing something that really paralleled one another, and we would have our students get together once in a while, but we were able to have these significant conversations, like how are things going with your girls, how are things going with your guys. We were just doing a ministry that really was um, mm -hmm. complementary and worked for our lifestyles at the time. So it was really fun to be part of that together. So we've mm -hmm. done a lot of different things like that, but just to feel like we're investing in something together, we're building something that's bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this even goes back to one, some of the first things we ever did internationally. We actually spent two summers in the former Soviet Union, which was the Soviet Union at the time we went, which tells you a little bit about our age. Some of you may remember the Soviet Union. Remember that? Okay, yeah. So, um, And we, we spent two summers there, and those, that was a big deal. Uh, we didn't necessarily know what we were doing when we did that. I mean, we weren't like going, oh, we're going to go be missionaries to the world. We... we Stepped out and, and did something together. Matter of fact, we learned some very significant things about each other. I mentioned, uh, we've mentioned in, in previous weeks um, about me maybe being more of a dreamer and more adventurous and Sherry being a little less uh, of a dreamer. Um, but the reality is, is that when we do go on an adventure, whatever the adventure may be, whenever we go on the adventure, she's way more the stable one in the adventure than I am. I'm the one who tends to have the highs and lows of the experience while I'm there, and Sherry tends to be the steady one. So in reality, she's good to have an adventure. Um, and we make a good team in that. I, I get us to go, but then she get us, uh, helps us to be stabilized while we're in these adventures that we have together. To build and invest in different things together, it's important. And well, you know, I just, I'm looking at Kylie and Justin back there too, and I, you guys came in last week and said, you know, we just did our very first speaking thing together. And said that how amazing that was for you guys to work on something together. And it's not always it doesn't it's not always amazing. Sometimes it's really hard to do that. But that whole idea of working on something together is really a powerful thing for your marriage. And it doesn't have to be yeah. it doesn't have to be even something that's really stepping out, like even just inviting neighbors, neighbors, new neighbors over. That that can be a ministry for well, we were at somebody's home just recently, and they we, and we thought it was great. It was really, it was great. They were very hospitable. It was wonderful. They, you know, we we hung out, watched the ball game together, and then we come to find out that actually this was just Friday night, and then the people were talking about, it, and then they they were they were talking about hosting a a uh, uh, election night party on Tuesday night, and then we we were there as they were talking, they were talking about other people, and all of a sudden you just begin to go. These people obviously at some point in time sat down and said, we are just going to be a family uh, that provides hospitality to people. They always have people out there. As a matter of fact, they have a, their home has a guest room, and they're trying to encourage guest us house. to stay, guest house, trying to encourage us to stay at it. Like, you know, we're like, no, we're going home. Like, it was pretty, but thanks, you know? it was, it was pretty but enticing, it was just, though, I have to say. It was just, they're very hospitable, but they made a decision to do that, a decision to invest, make a decision to do something. Now, in some of the examples that we just shared, I mean, Obviously, our life has been, um, thankfully, fairly streamlined in that we felt we, we both felt um, kind of called in our life to invest in, in in the next generation. And so we've spent I've spent 25 years of my career, my life, my ministry, working with college students, and I still do that uh, in different roles over those years. But still, 25 years. Well, the, the the great part about that is Sherry has has also had that same passion. And so even though it's where I get my paycheck. It's also where we invest our time and our energy. Um, matter of fact, what we do tonight has nothing to do with our job. This is what we. This is what we're passionate about. This isn't 
something we're doing. We, this, is, this is, so to speak, our volunteer ministry time to do stuff like this. And we invest in a lot of couples' lives still because we feel like that's something that God had given us as a gift to do. It's not like there's some, you know, you know magic, you know, 30 years ago or 25 years ago that was like, you will minister to couples, you know, like this voice from God. It was just that as, as our own story kind of unfolded and our life unfolded, we began to discover this was something for us to do together. But it's not just in the in ministry world. I want to shift your thinking for a minute. I'm still, we're still going to talk about this, the second thing about finding something significant together. Because it's important for us to also stop when you think about this and talk about your, your job, your, your career. Okay, it's important as, as for young couples. I've had this conversation with a lot of couples, especially when they're getting married in their mid to late 20s, early 30s, even some couples who I've done their weddings that are in their 40s, to, start, to, to have time where you really stop and think about what you do with your job. What do you do um, as, a, as a career? Where, where is that going? What are your goals? What are your hopes and your dreams? Um, if you think it's just going to work itself out, <laughs> You know, you might be disappointed down the line. You might find yourselves in, in two very different places. Have you thought and, and talked about things like, if you have children, are you both going to work? Um, have you talked about things like, whose job in a season where maybe both people can't work, whose job takes precedence? What if a job, one of you have a job where you get promoted and, and that promotion leads to a move? You know, is that being discussed? So th those are a lot of big questions. I know right now for a lot of you, like, oh, we have it. And, or one of you out there sitting right now going, I know I need to talk to her about this, you know. I haven't brought this up, you know, yet. But to be thinking about what this means for you, um, because that has a significant impact on, on the decisions that you make down the road. Um, let me, if I can be kind of theological with you for just a minute, and this is really important. I know you all know this. But let me just say it for my sake, and that is that being a missionary or being a pastor or being in a church role is not more significant than any job that you have. From a biblical perspective, that's just a role. That's part of what makes up the body of Christ. There's different roles that people play, okay? And, and you're not more spiritual because you're a missionary or you're a pastor, Okay. Matter of fact, if you go back to the Genesis story that we talked about in the first week, when God created a male and female, he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, steward it. That the role of man and woman is to steward the earth. Okay, That's our, that's our role in life. So if it's your job to, 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 as an engineer to build bridges, please keep building bridges and do it really well because I want to go across the bridge that's not going to fall down. I've been in parts of the world where you go across the bridge, you don't know if it's going to fall down or not. Okay? Like, that's really important, right? Things like that. It's, it's important for those of you that, that manage property, to be, you know, property managers. If you manage people's finances, that's a significant role. That, that is an important part of stewarding uh, creation, right? If you teach, if you're in medicine, um, if you help the distribution of food. I'm just really glad that when I go down to Safeway, right, that there's good fruit in the fruit section, because I'm a fruit pusher, sure, he says. I'm a fruit pusher. I love fruit. You should eat a lot like, of fruit. You need you know? to have some bananas on Eat some more fruit. I don't want bananas. <laughs> but I'm glad that, that somehow those bananas grown who knows where get to here, Washington, because I know they're not growing in our backyard. They're not growing in anybody's backyard. Whoever does that is, is part of stewarding the earth. Now, what, what, what's, where am I going with this? Sherry, Sherry knows that I've been sitting here 
spend it, I've worked on this stuff most of the day, and I just thought, we just need to hear that together you need to be thinking about not so much that we have a job or we have a career, but to really begin to ask what it means for us together to be part of God's plan of stewarding the earth together. What does this mean for us to, to, to be that? And it's not just you know, going to medicine and go you know, start a clinic in Africa where they need it. It's, that, that's wonderful if that's what God calls you to do. But what does it mean to be right here stewarding the, 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 the gifts and the talents and the mind that God has given some of you to be able to do the things, to be able to do research, to be able to find cures for things, you know? To, to, to be willing to, to study hard statistics and deal with things that are going to help better the lives of all of us around. They're going to help my kids and uh, our grandkids and things like that. So taking the time to sit down and really think not just about what, what is my job and how do your job and your job work itself out, but what does it mean for us to be together in this and what does this look like down the road, especially when you come to that place in life where, where you're going to you know, potentially face job changes, health issues, children come on the scene, and what's that going to mean for you? Uh, and, and, and don't simply see it as, well, this is my job, but begin to see it as investing in, in what God is calling you to do as a couple together in your life, whether it's things like inviting people to your house or it's as grand as what am I going to do with my career for the rest of my life, taking the time to think through those things. I, you know, I think you probably get a little bit of mixed messages about this because I'm guessing when you guys got married, sometimes your pastor will say, hey, your first year of marriage, you really need to cut back. And, and there is some truth to that because you do need significant time bonding. But there's also this, um, it's easy to settle into that pattern, continue beyond that honeymoon right. period. You kind of get into your patterns of life and it's easy to not, then step out of that and into something bigger. And so I just, I think it's just a good challenge to be thinking about where are we giving our lives away? How are we blessing other people? And another thing Mike and I were talking about is our families. You know, how do we bless our families? And, you know, one of the things that just occurs to me, even when we're here, those of you that have siblings with kids, one of the things you could do that really would bless them is just volunteering to watch their kids and that is awesome because it's great for you too you learn so much about one another by trying to manage nieces and nephews and whatnot it's also good birth control it is it's very good so anyway <laughs> worked for us for six years yeah it was like <laughs> i don't want those things yet <laughs> anyway okay so so invest yeah it's invest, and, 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 and I don't know that there's any part of our life that we're not thinking about investing in something significant. And then, then the third thing is that encouragement we would give to each of you here is to invest in another couple who's, uh, who's uh, in a relationship. Invest in another couple that's maybe not at the stage you're at. So maybe there's somebody you know that there's, they're dating, and, and you could invest in their life, or somebody that's engaged. Uh, matter of fact, one of the things that... that um, we do for premarital counseling is, is I ask all the couples uh, to invite three couples into their life uh, during their engagement. So this is part of their engagement homework, if you will. Uh, but invite three different couples into their life, um, and a couple that's um, uh, newly married, a couple that has children, and an empty nester couple. Uh, and we ask them, I ask you to meet with them and sit down and you know invite them to coffee or to breakfast or something and, and tell them that your pastor is making you do this, so you can blame the pastor on this, but 
that he, that he, he wants you to uh, come and tell us what maybe are the five things that you wish you knew when you were engaged or you know the top seven things that are important in your marriage and and sit and, and tell them what ask them to tell you something so that they come prepared and i will often tell couples that when when we do this that the couple who has children in their life probably won't have sat down and talked about their marriage for quite a while. So it'd actually be really good for them. So you'll be doing a good thing for them. But the other thing is, is invited a newly married couple. And often when couples then come back and tell me about their encounter with these other couples, the couple they'll talk about the most is the newly married couple. And it's because they're the closest, it's the closest picture that they can get. And so those of you, if you are in the category of, I think our youngest was a month, right? Month Now it's two months or something now, right? Because we've been here about a month. So married for a month up to about three years or so. Well, I would just tell you that every person in this room has something to offer. One of those couples that Ryan is doing premarital with right now. Right, Ryan? I mean, anybody, you guys have something to offer the people that we're doing. Because, because Ryan's story and Julie's story and what he knows and what Sherry and I know won't always be applicable to everybody. And so by being able to sit down with somebody like you, they might be able to go, you know, I never understood what Mike and Sherry were talking about when they'd talk about money or whatever. You know, like, it's just not in our same world. But then we sat down with this couple. And boy, we, we just totally resonated with them when it came to those issues around their family or whatever it might be. So we encourage you to invest uh, in, in another couple. And then to make that a lifelong journey. You don't have to be speakers. Or matter of fact, the way I like to say it is people that speak and people that write books like this long for folks that, that could spend the time one-on-one or two-on-two, so to speak, with a couple, helping to work out the stuff that we talk about or the stuff that somebody writes about. Got everything on that? Yep. Okay. So the flip side of the equation is invite. And Mike's already alluded to the fact that we think it's really important to invite people into your life and in marriage, and you're here because you care about that. And um, so having someone that's in your life that can advise you and spend time with you is so important. Mike and I remember when we, did, when we had this dream about starting this before you buy the ring thing for college couples that were dating seriously, we got together with another couple from our church in Colorado and we started to tell them about our dream. And they said, we're in, and we're just really excited about this topic. Actually, we're so excited that we're going to get a mentor couple. And we just kind of looked at them like bewildered. It's like, you guys have been married 25 years. What do you mean you're getting a mentor couple? Yeah, there's this couple at church that's been married 50. We feel like we could learn so much from them. And we just thought that was awesome, that after being married 25 years, they would go out and seek a mentor of someone who had been married twice twice the time that they had. So just... The lifelong habit of realizing there's always someone ahead of you that you can learn from. Mm. And just make that habitual. Something that you automatically do is just find people that can pour into you. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing that's, that has been uh, so helpful to us when we've seen couples like that is that it makes... They're the people you want to learn from. Because people that are learning are great to, to learn from. Right. And we, we found that a particularly... Um, True, when we went through certain transitions, when we started having kids, all of a sudden the people that were having kids was like, oh, we want to talk to them. And then when we were having teenagers, oh, we want to talk to the people with teenagers. And now we want to talk to the people whose kids made it through college and they actually paid for it. And so, uh, you know, there's always those people to learn from. So, 
That's kind of where we're at right now. Then it'll be weddings. And then, no. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that. There's a third thing that we want to talk about invest. So we talked, we talked about the invest part and the invite part. And, and we, we, we kind of pass them by the invite part fairly quickly because as we've said before, you guys are the ones that are here. You've already, you're already inviting stuff into your life. But there's a third thing that we want to talk about. We're kind of lumping invest and invite together. And that is the question of whether or not you're invest, you're inviting, uh, the Lord, uh, into your marriage. Whether or not there is a, uh, you guys have space and are making space in your life to talk about your faith, to talk about uh, the spiritual aspect of your lives. And because we're meeting in a church building and, and uh, um, a lot of you may have some connections in your past to things like that. We didn't want to take it for granted. Um, we also know that for many people who actually have been Christians for a while, and they're, and they're matter of fact, you're even faithful churchgoers, and you're involved maybe even a Bible study, maybe even, maybe even serving young life ministry together. Uh, but I, we know a lot of couples who never have the time, take the time to talk about their faith together. Uh, matter of fact, Sherry and I talk about how important it was, especially in our early years, how important it was to always have time after church. Like we would go to church, and so that was like a commitment we'd make. And we didn't have, we didn't grow up in Christian homes, so we didn't become Christians till we were in college. Um, but when we uh, we we found that it was important for us to go to church, um, and then we made time afterwards. Like so, we'd go to brunch or we'd do something together because we knew if we did that, we would then take the time to talk about what we just heard the pastor say. But if we found ourselves just rushing off to whatever was next to watch the football game, I know Sherry always wanted to go do that. Go watch the football game. It's like, come on, gotta and get this over with. So and uh, but we uh, give us you know so we found space in which to talk about the things that that we were hearing and. And or praying together. Maybe for some of you, it's really natural uh, to pray uh, with your spouse, but maybe for others, it feels really uncomfortable and it feels really awkward. And you're not even used to to praying out out loud at all with anybody. You know, uh, you know, in your life. Matter of fact, maybe you don't even pray out loud yourself, and yet you're talking about praying with somebody. Um, and so, do you? You know, what about praying together? And and obviously, the whole role that not just going to church, but church as a whole plays in your life. I, I want to say something about praying together because um, for a while that was really hard for us to find time when we had little kids and everything. And but the last couple of years we really tried to make that more of our routine, daily routine. So our kids in high school they left pretty early for school, so we could sit down together at seven right after they left and and just pray for our day and their day and all of the different things that were going on. And I, I have to say, that's a big intimacy builder. You know, nobody really asked us a question like that in the whole intimacy part. But um, I really feel like praying together is a very intimate thing, and it really draws you close. And so if that's something that you haven't really tried or made a priority, I really encourage you, even if you're just starting really small with baby steps. Okay, because we're going to then get into some Q&A, what we want you to do is take the project that's in front of you, and we want you to go ahead and start answering it. We give you each a separate sheet. So you, if you don't have one, we, we have some more. Um, we want you to kind of go ahead and fill it out separately because um, fill it out separately first and then talk about it. Who else needs one? We're not going to give you a ton of time. 
Oh, you grabbed them? We're not going to give you a ton of time on it. We're going to get you started on it, but kind of glance through them and see what you'd say, and then we're going to have you talk about it. Is any couple want to share like ways that you as a couple are already investing in something together that you would feel comfortable sharing? Something you do together. Like, yeah. Who are you inviting, Kenny? Because I, I haven't gotten invited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we accept all invitations. No, but that that was a that was a plan. You guys said we're going to invite people to dinner. Great. It's a great one. We know some of you, so we know some of you are doing some other stuff. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Even even praying together for your people in your core group. That'd be cool, too. Anything else? Yeah. Jim. Is that challenging for you guys, or? By the That's way, great. we've been at one of your weddings, and you've done an awesome job, Tyler. Other things? Like even... Oh, over here. Sorry. You know, when you think about these things too, through throughout your life, or I mean, as you as you think about them together, about the rest of your life, like there's been some other things that Sherry and I too have sat down and, and they were very, they they've been, um, they sort of seem like little decisions or like kind of no duh decisions, but then they had profound impact on our life in decision making. One of one of those things was is that Sherry and I. I never had grandparents in my life that I knew, and Sherry had one grandma, and um, and I got to kind of adopt her as my grandma too. But um, so we never had grandparents. So one of the things that for Sherry and I is that we wanted our children to have grandparents and to be around their grandparents. 
And so when, when we had our second child, Lily, I, I was also ha- had a job opportunity to come back here to Seattle. And our families both are in the area. And that was a strategic, uh, you know, very significant time for us because I was very content in the job that I had in, in, in Colorado. Um, but it was very significant because we said, wow, do we want to raise our children around our, our parents? And that was a big deal for us. We said that's what we want to do. It influenced our decision so much to move, to move back. Now, some of you may not feel like that's an important thing to you, but it was a really important thing to us. And when I say that, it's like because, because part of what that meant for us wasn't just, oh, we want our kids to have grandparents. It's, it's that we realized that we really wanted to invest in our family. We wanted to be near our family and, and be involved in our family uh, life. And, and, and I think you know in this day and age, and probably for many of your parents, you probably, a lot of you have parents that moved away from their parents. I mean, you might be the product of some of that. Uh, we live in that, that culture today where people move away. And so, so investing in something can be, you know, we could talk about little things, big things. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's decisions that, that you make as a couple that are of things that are going to be important to you. We always, we've told you before that we'd rather ha- have experiences with our kids than to necessarily have the you know latest and greatest in our home or the nicest and newer car, we'd rather spend the money on adventures with our kids. You know, and those are things that that uh, have turned into us taking our kids on several cross-cultural trips where they're not just going and having fun playing in you know body surfing in Hawaii. They're actually going to other parts of the world and investing in you know uh, the the. Uh, challenging places in our world because those adventures have taken us on things like that. Well, that greatly influenced our kids and the way they think about things in life. So, um, well, let's move on to our question, Q&A. You guys ready to make a shift like this? I don't know if we're ready for a shift like this. Well. I mean, we need to hear some of these questions. Yeah. A few of them threw us for a loop, we got to say, but. Yeah. So we kind of found that like some of your questions kind of go together, which we expected some of them to kind of go together. And for those of you guys that are here for the first time, these are questions specifically related to sex. And the yeah, topic. these are the sex questions. So nothing like coming for just the question and answer. Yeah, we, we know that's why you're here. You heard, you heard a rumor that that's what we're doing. Okay, so um, these kind of are the same, so I'll read all three of them, or four, I guess four of them. Um, we have trouble making time for sex. Any suggestions? How do you make sure you have time when life gets busy? How often do you plan out beforehand to have sex, or how spontaneous are you, and which is better? <laughs> We're pretty sure this was Ryan Church's question. How do you feel about quickies? Are they good for the <laughs> Are they... <laughs> are they good for your marriage okay so these were like time kind of time questions so some people don't intend to have quickies (laughs) (laughs) those are oh those are later questions those are the later questions okay so making time I think we are really, we've always been, even going back to dating, we've always believed that it's good to sort of be on a schedule. And that can sound unromantic in some ways, but also... I'll just make sure your mic was up. Okay. Uh, 
But it really, it really helps to have this rhythm in your life that you know, like your time for sure that you're going to be together. And so, um, if there was anything that was ingrained into our mind from an early, early age, it was that you need to have that. We talked about that last mm-hmm. time, last time. And do you want to make sure that sex is part of your date? I mean, I'm hoping you're planning great dates that are fun and great so that it does incorporate, right? Having sex together right. during your date. I think when you're married, you kind of think that it might happen that way. Uh, so, uh, Schedule, I don't think scheduled sex is any less romantic than not scheduled. Do you think so? No. <laughs> no. So, sometimes Mine's I like, say it's things all like, good for me. So, so, so yeah, like, yeah, what, whatever. <laughs> so, <that's true. laughs> right, guys? So, the, uh, well, no, sometimes because they'll sometimes say, so are we going to have sex tonight? You know, it's like, what, is that, is that going to be happen? You know, like, I want to get prepared for it, you know? I mean, there, there is something about that that, that uh, I think at times could feel like it's taken away from it, and there's other times where I think, you know, you guys have busy lives and you need to stop and think about it. Is this going to happen tonight? And I want it to happen tonight. We're going to make sure this happens tonight. And so that's part of planning it out. It may not be, okay, I'll meet you at 8 o'clock in the bedroom, um, though when we had little children, it was almost to some degree a little bit like that because you could say, well, the kids had a bedtime. And so you would want the, when the kids went to bed, you knew you, that moment you could rendezvous, so to speak. And, uh, and there's a bit of scheduling to all that. And when you have children, that's very much what has to happen. You really have to start think about scheduling when you get to the stage of teenagers. That's, that's hard. Little kids go to bed at seven. You know, teenagers go to bed way after you. You do. do. <laughs> so, so you have to you have to think a little bit about that, and then whether or not that's us sitting down with our calendars out, you know, like our phones out, you know, and when can you do it? <laughs> um, you know, as much um, as it's as much as in some cases it's it's you know, and your you know for yourself to be able to think about whether or not that's something that we can put into our schedule. Well, I have to say one thing about women generally, and we try not to stereotype too much, but I think women can get more preoccupied. I think sex for women is a lot more, they have to be more mentally prepared for it. And so I think when it's planned, it kind of gives you that opportunity to to deal with whatever you need to deal with to be fully present. And um, like Mike knows when I'm totally distracted. And so... I think sometimes it's good to go, okay, I need to get all this this stuff done today because I really want to be fully present with my husband tonight and not be thinking about all the other stuff I should or could be doing. Or, mm-hmm. so. But let's just go back again to the question about scheduling it and making time for it. Um, I, I don't in any way, this is going to totally sound like a big brother thing, and I, I know I have the youngest of nine kids. I spent my whole life being told uh, that I didn't know any better by my older brothers and sisters. So. Forgive me for being a big brother. It's my only chance to be a big brother. If you're having trouble making time for it right now, you're going to have lots of trouble down the road. Uh, The energy level down the road, if you have children, the children level, the way the career and the job piles upon you down the road, you will just pile, it piles up down the road, which goes back to what we said last week, the first week which is we're, we're here to encourage you to create habits that start now. And if they haven't started now, make them start now. 
If you've already got into a rut this early on, change that pattern. You've got to change the pattern um, if, you, if you want this thing to be alive and well down the road. And so if you're having trouble making time, I'm take, go home and sit down and figure this out and make a decision with each other when you're going to make this time for this to work. And it's not just having sex, but it's making time to, have the, to do the things that I said last week. You start making love, men, to your wife when you wake up in the morning. And if sex isn't happening at, so to speak, 10 p.m. at night, the chances are it's because you're not waking up in the morning and treating her the way she needs to be treated for that night. You need to make that decision in your life. If you're too busy with whatever it is that's on your priority list, whether it's your job, whether it's your working out, whether it's whatever it is for you, if, that's your, if it's all about you, then you need to, you need to go home and, and you know, kind of have a come-to-Jesus moment and look in the mirror and take, take that seriously and say, what, what's going on here? Okay, if you're not making the time to, to not just have sex, but to date, which then can lead to this in your life, uh, then you need, to, you need to, that's leadership. Sit down and figure it out, okay? And, um, and we'll recommend a good book for your spouse, your wife to read that's going to help her get in the mood a little more often. But that's the next question. Let's move on. Okay, the, these questions we think kind of centered around communication. So what is the best setting to talk about our sex life? In bed, outside the bedroom? And what is a good way to communicate our expectations? What value do you see in discussing your sex life with others? And what is valuable to share? And how much talk about sex is appropriate between married couples? And how about talking between married girlfriends? How much of that is healthy? So let's start with the couple itself. Um, so Mike and I kind of agreed that the setting wasn't nearly as important as the timing, right? right? It's not so much where you talk about it, but what, what, what's the timing of when you can best fully engage in the conversation? Because there's times I can think that it would be not the best to talk about it, especially at maybe after a time that's been really disappointing or something like that, but a time where you both can be fully present mm -hmm. in the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it's really funny about sex. I, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Like you, you were saying that it's the goofiest thing ever, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> well, the way I always say it is, um, is that, you know, you know, you think about it for, for a minute. You know, like, you know, you're, you're getting naked with this person. You're, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, I can't do it in front of this big of a group. <laughs> some people have heard, some people have seen me say, say this, and when I'm just doing it one on one in a counseling setting with them, but it's it's you know you're you get together, you take all your clothes off, and you know you so to speak rub up rub up against each other for a while, and you you know you breathe heavy, and you make funny noises, and then you have this moment where you lose all your senses, right? I mean, like right, supposedly you lose all your senses for this brief moment, it's just like wow. Wow, and then it's over, and you roll over, and you light a cigarette up, and you never talk about it, and you never talk about it, and you just think about that, like, it's kind of goofy, like, it's kind of a goofy thing that you do. I know that kind of killing the right, don't, don't, trust me, I don't do this when I'm trying to romance my life. <laughs> so I, so you're saying I look goofy, is that what you're saying, and, no, but it's just kind of, that you just think about this, this act, and it's kind of, it's, you know, and, and when you, but you, but we share this together, this moment together, which we don't want anybody else to see. You know, we don't, right? It's just between us. 
And with this moment where you feel totally free to, 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 so to speak, make those sounds and to do those things and to have this loss of sense, you know, your, your senses with this, this person and the same person you can't then talk about it with. You can't talk about this experience with. You can't talk about what your hopes and expectations are. And that's just kind of a, 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 an interesting thing about us as humans that we have trouble talking about something, but we don't have necessarily trouble doing it sometimes, you know? So it is important that we think about the timing in, in, in having a chance to talk about this. I also think, and like I said, I recommend some things to you here in a, in a minute, but, but I, I think times like this become really important. One of the questions last week uh, was around this topic of sex, but there's, there's bigger, there's, there's other... Um, projects that you can do in a, in a book that we'll recommend that I think if you read that book together, um, you, could, you could take the time to say, you know, okay, Tuesday night, we're going to have, you know, dinner, and we're going to read a chapter that week, and we're going to talk about that chapter this Tuesday night. Allow yourself to go through those, whatever that chapter might be talking about, so you can deal with the expectations and the awkward things that are maybe hard for you to feel like you can bring up. I think there's always a third party seems to help things out. Again, we're, we're kind of that third party to you right now. And so again, that's important why it's important to have uh, adults or mentors in your life and even around the topic of sex to be able to find a safe place. And sometimes for a couple it's safer to have a book. A book's a safer thing for the two of you, but if it's to a place where there's some other challenges around having that conversation, then you know, that you guys might want to seek somebody out, uh, like, you know, like Sherry or I, or a couple that you feel like you can talk to about. I really agree with that because I think um, when it comes to talking about sex, you can say this is what this author said. Well, what, what do you think about that? What do I think about it? Sometimes it's easier than just talking about what you think out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Using that as a springboard, I think, is sometimes an easier Well, and how many times authors put words on something, you know, because yeah, you, you, you don't know how to say it. Right. So, mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, so how much sex, how much sex between <laughs> other couples, no, how much talk about sex between married couples, um, how much talk is between healthy, let, let's start again, I do know how to read, how much talk between married girlfriends is healthy, and how much talk between other couples about sex is healthy, and I think this goes with another question, basically the same one. Um, what value do you see in addressing your sex life with others? And Mike and I agree that this is a really tricky subject. Um, because I think your, your sex life, you really have to trust that other person so much. And it's difficult to trust someone if you don't know where they're going to share that with or who they're going to share that with. And so we've always been ones that really err on the side of only sharing it with people that you mutually agreed to share it with. So Mike doesn't go around sharing things with people that we haven't talked about, that it's okay to talk about it with. Well, obviously we talk about it with everyone, so that's, it's a lot of people. <laughs> so we've agreed that everybody can know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It didn't start out that way, but now we're like, what the heck? <laughs> Um, so we do think that, um, it well, is... Well, you talked about, yeah, agreed upon. Agreed upon. There should be agreed upon dialogue. The other thing, okay, Mike just is pretty real with me about how guys are, so I know more about guys than I used to know when I was your age, women. <laughs> and 
so I think guys, they can bring their issues to their group of guys, but really they don't necessarily need to know that much about the women in this room. They don't. Mike was, Mike was telling me that, you know, in one of his previous groups, there was a guy that would always bring his sex problems. Like, I don't feel like I need to know that about his wife. Yeah. You know, so there's just some appropriate boundaries that sometimes need to just occur. So our advice really is if you're having issues that you want to share with someone or talk to someone, I we think it's better to go to someone who's a little older, maybe not at your exact same stage of life, someone a little bit older. It's not necessarily in your little peer group to talk about those things. Mm -hmm. First of all, they're probably going to be more help to begin with. And second of all, they're not going to see it as a potential struggle, like maybe someone your age is. Like, you don't want someone else's husband lusting after you. I mean, it just, it can be that way. It can kind of perpetuate this mm -hmm. kind of a lustful relationship between people's spouses. That's just yeah. real. I'm just being real about that. Yeah. Seems like there was something else. Um, about girlfriends. I think that's, you know, I think talk around girlfriends is good. I I have seen some of my girlfriends get kind of competitive with this in some ways. And so I I think you want to be careful with that too. Like I feel like there was this almost like a competition of who can be the most, I don't know. Like it seemed to be a little bit unhealthy to me. So I think it's good to talk about it with people that you know and trust and that you've agreed can be invited into that part of your relationship. That would be yeah. the long and short of it. Yeah. And, you know, if you guys get into it, you know, if you decide to be in a small group or if you're already in a small group with other couples, I think to talk at the level we're talking about this subject is, is good and healthy, you know, and to be able to have, have some, some degree of honesty around, you know, the things that are, are challenging, I think, it's fair because then you can learn from each other or other people can recommend or suggest things to you in that setting. I think it's just, you got to be really careful when you get down to more graphic discussion. That's where we encourage graphic you Graphic or technical discussion. Yeah, that you should have those conversations with somebody that's, that's people that are older. I'd also say this, because I, I, and Sherry and I were talking about this the other day when we were, we were talking to these questions. If you're in a situation where you go, you know what, I feel like I need to talk to my spouse about, I can't talk to my spouse about. So how can I find an agreed upon person when I don't even, can't even tell them what I need to talk about uh, in that situation? And that's, and that's where you need to, to seek out the advice of somebody that's, you know, for the guys, if there's a pastor in your life uh, that you can go to, um, the gals, if there's somebody, you know, that you have that's older where you can go and sit down, you know, and that... Sherry and I have played that role for people in their life. I mean, I, I always say I wish I had $5 for every time I had somebody tell me. It's $5 for, for every time somebody came into my life and said, I've never told anybody this before. Um, it happens a lot in our life. And, 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 and I've learned to, 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 uh, to learn to hold uh, with, you know, people's stories and questions and struggles um, very carefully because I know that that, that's been in, something being entrusted to, to us. And I know Ryan does as well and Janie. And, and those are tough places to be. And when you're in a place like that, you need to find a place. You can't just keep burying this and go, I, you know, I don't know what to do with this. But go and talk to somebody and get some help. 
think it's pretty interesting. I've noticed Mike has the, you wouldn't necessarily think um, forgetting is a gift, but it is for Mike because sometimes people come in and pour out this really personal stuff and he'll see them six months later and goes, I know I had a really big conversation with them. I have no idea what it's about. I'm going, well, that is a gift, isn't it? Like, yeah, I'm sure yeah. they're glad that you don't remember anymore. Yeah. Okay. Okay, these questions were kind of about mood. Okay. How do you handle a situation when you're not in the mood for a while, or conversely, your spouse is not in the mood for a while? How do you get past a little fight taking you out of the mood? How do you, do you struggle with mood being on birth control? How do you address the issue of birth control reducing sex drive or like putting you out of the mood, basically? So these are okay. our topic. Um, so as far as um, moods, I think it's really common for newlywed women to realize that sometimes their birth control does really, really affect their sex drive and their hormones. And this is really a good thing to talk to your girlfriends about, I think, because um, a lot of times there needs to be changes in your prescription. There's a lot. There's a plethora of different birth control pills that, that um, affect you different ways. So it might be a matter of switching it up, and sometimes it's a matter of getting off completely and doing a different method of birth control. But before you kind of go, I just don't seem very interested, you start with what's what's most likely your, the issue for you. And a lot of times that's what it is. We've talked to lots and lots of couples where that was the issue and they didn't know that that was the issue and then that's um, an easy fix if it is the issue mm -hmm. with mood. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you want to talk about the fight one? Yeah, how do you get past one little fight taking out, uh, taking you out of the mood? This is Sherry. Sherry's first response. I read the question. She goes, makeup sex. Like, yeah, I like that. That's good. Makeup sex. We just call it makeup sex. So, so you get in a fight, takes you out of the mood, and then you just go and say, okay, well, that's what we need to do. So, um, I, I would also answer something else, and that is that I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I think sometimes we're fighting because we haven't had sex. So, I, I think that there's built up tension. That can occur sometimes between couples when they haven't had sex. So I would say learn to push through it because that might be the very thing that you need to feel the closest and intimacy again with each other. You're gonna fight throughout your marriage together. So anything else to add? Uh, well, we talked last week about lightening up, and I think that's also a big one because sometimes our fights are so stupid. Really, I mean that um, if we learn to lighten up and um, not make everything such a big deal. You know. For sure. For sure. Okay. Um, what else do we have about this? We gotta keep rolling through. Yep. We're gonna get through all. I know you mixed them up. Oh, these ones? It. No, no, these are them. You just added those two. Oops. Okay. So some of the questions are about having kids. How do you keep your sex life active when you have young children in your home? But specifically by keeping your sex. Um, life private from your children? <laughs> Not always. You wish. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's sometimes it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> what do you okay, feel like? Okay, we gotta tell you this story. No. Okay. No. 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 Yeah, yeah. We gotta tell this story. This is this is maybe too much. Remember, information. we talked about being mutually agreed upon. What? <laughs> really? 
It's a great story, though. <laughs> Do you guys really want to know? Yeah. <laughs> Can I stay here in this room? <laughs> and on the tape. <laughs> oh, yeah, on the tape. Probably shouldn't mention which daughter. We won't mention which daughter. Go ahead. You want to tell it. I'm not going to say. No, it was just uh, all of a sudden we were, you know, and we, and we turn and standing at our bed looking right at us is one of our daughters. <laughs> so a, I get so up. So Sherry jumps up. Thankfully, he had that shirt on. And I take her back to her bedroom. She was probably like four or something. I took her back to her bedroom, <laughs> tucked her back in her bed, and she's like, Mommy, why was Daddy jumping on you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, Daddy is so silly, isn't he? <laughs> she goes, he is so Funny. <laughs> uh, oh, I hope she doesn't remember that. <laughs> however, a number of years later, when our kids are about middle school age or so, the, the, all of our girls are driving a car with one of our neighborhoods. They have a really good friend at the same age, and they're driving down the road. And I don't know how the whole CNN story came out. Oh, yeah. No, the friends were talking about the parents. He goes, my parents just turn up. Yeah, go the into TV their room really and loud, and they want us to think that they're watching CNN. <laughs> We're really involved in current affairs. <laughs> World affairs, yeah. I, uh, I was like, I don't think CNN was going to do the trick. So. Okay. So back to the kid question. Is, well, okay, so when our kids were little, we kind of realized by the time we got a babysitter, got out, kind of unwound enough to have a conversation, it was time to have get started back home and get the babysitter home. It seemed like a lot of work for not very much time. So we decided to start having these overnight dates. And we would have them maybe once a month. We'd go overnight and we'd just pick places around here that were cool that we always wanted to go to. We got the Best Places to Kiss book. And um, we just started having these really fun overnight dates. And mm -hmm. so that was one thing that we did when our kids were little. Just Yeah, that might be one of the best things you take out of this for those of you once you hit the kids stage. It's called mm -hmm. the 24-hour dates. Yeah, it was kind of like a little mini honeymoon. It was really fun. It was a really great time. Um, um, i got to look at this one again. No, those ones are done. We've done both of those. Okay, should we move on? Yeah. Okay. I told you before, like, every time we do something like this, I use an excuse to order some kind of books that we hadn't read yet. And so one of your questions was, what are some good books you can recommend for newlyweds who are, quote, new oh. to sex? Hold on. Hold that question, because we didn't finish this one. Okay. Because it's how do you face the fear of kids killing your sex life? Life each other. And what we both... did You, you didn't talk about this. Oh, no, I didn't. Is that we talked about it. Okay, first of all, kill. That... Um, Nothing external is going, external things aren't in charge of your relationship, you are. So kids are not going to be, are not going to kill your sex life, okay? You're going to kill your sex life, okay? So keep that in mind. What, okay, you're, you're, in, you're in control. This is not, you know, it's not going to do that. Um, but it will alter it. So that's the thing that you just have to be ready for, hence things like 24-hour dates and things like that. Um, 
Okay, are we back to this? Or? Yeah, that, that, that question. Okay, question. newlyweds who are new to sex, as we are just starting out on this exciting and intimate experience, and of course, it's not always as smooth as it goes in the movies, um, and it can be interrupted, and the, and the joy can be interrupted by, the joy and the romantic part can be interrupted by pain on the girl's part, at least at the beginning. So um, one of the books that I bought when Ryan asked us to do this class was The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. And I think it's really good. I think she's, and actually Mike I read spent, it. I went to Wicked today and Mike went to time reading The Good Girl's Guide to Sex. He just wanted to make sure he felt good about recommending it and he thought it was really awesome. I did, yeah. It's a really good book. She does a really good job of being really direct about some questions but not, you know, um, vulgar or anything like that. So we thought she did a really good job with this book. So if you feel like... I recommend it, and I recommend the guys read it. Yeah, the good girls... Because it talks a lot about to the women about what guys are like, but also... But, but it's... I always think any book that's actually written for one gender should be written read by the other gender. I mean, it, because usually they're... Anyway, enough said, but it's a good book. I definitely recommend it. Is that answering a question? Um, about a good book. Okay, so what, what are the other books we were going to talk about? I think we put them on their sheet. Didn't yeah, we? on your sheet there's some other books. We're not done with the questions yet, but other sheets on the... Um, I don't have it in front of me. It's the last one. I mean, we've recommended some of these already. You guys, The Meaning of Marriage by the, Kel the Kellers is a really good book. And they have a, they have a pretty good chapter on sex. Uh -huh. The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work is a book by John Gottman that we highly recommend. Um, and um, obviously the Kellers come from a, a Christian perspective, and Gottman does not, uh, but his stuff he writes about is absolutely biblical and profound. And that's what this book looks like. Um, Lewis Smead's Sex for Christians. The reason why I put that down, book down is that book is not necessarily going to be like a how-to book like this book is. This is very how-to-ish in some ways. Like This is a good book to read, and it's... Um, in that sense, but the, the Sex for Christians is more of a, gives you a, almost more of a theological understanding of sexuality and what's going on with us as, as human beings. It, it broadens it from being sex to sexuality and what that means. If you've not read it, I highly recommend it. It's a fantastic book. Um, if, for no other reason, if you do have kids, it'll just be great for you to have your mind set around how you're going to educate your kids around sexuality. And then The Silence of Adam is a book that's actually written for men, and I highly recommend this book. It's a book that I wish uh, every man would read. Uh, and then, as I mentioned before, and any woman, if you really want to get inside of a man's head and heart, read, read The Silence of Adam. You'll have a, a good understanding uh, of that as well. So that's why we recommended those books. Um, how do you navigate through the often stereotypes that guys always want to have sex, and girls don't always want to. Um, not necessarily true. Could we show a hands of, in this room of how many women want sex more often than guys? I'm kidding. I would not do that. You guys were nervous there for a minute, weren't you? Because she's gonna, let's just blow this stereotype out right now. Okay? Um, well, the, the one thing that I would just say about this is that, um, is, Sherry and I, Sherry made the comment earlier that we don't often like to, to make a big deal about the gender differences. We're not, we don't tend to be gender difference Christians. Uh, or, you know, we tend to teach more from the same, I want to get to know Sherry. Sherry, Sherry. Okay, I want to get to understand her and I don't want to lump her in as woman and this is a woman, therefore she's this. 
I want to get to know her and, and I want her to understand me as a person, not as a man, and get lumped like some churches teach that. We don't, we don't teach that way. However, there's one area that biology teaches me more than anything else, and that is, is in this area. And the reality is, is men are, from a sexual standpoint, we are biologically wired to ejaculate. I mean, straight up, that's, that's the end objective. That is our goal. That is what we're driven towards. Um, we want to populate the planet, so to speak. Uh, we want to be fruitful and multiply. That is what our bodies are saying to do. Now, that's not necessarily an excuse for a man, therefore, to get to have whatever he wants whenever he wants to have it. I don't mean it by that. I just mean the motivating di dynamic that's going on. So if we start fooling around, then I want to get to, to, to the point, and, and men want to get to the point of ejaculating. That's what their body's saying. Now, you women know that you could never have any pleasure and could still get pregnant. Right? You could have no pleasure in the whole, the whole thing that happens, and yet you could still get pregnant. But that doesn't happen for a guy. And see, so just right there tells you something about the nature of how uh, we're wired and how different that is for us. And you have to take that into account. Now, there's a lot more. Matter of fact, there's books written about what I just said. I mean, in essence, of how you start and, and how you move through this whole act that is occurring. And so it's important uh, to realize that it's not so much just that the guys want to have sex and the girls don't, as much as I think you have to understand the drive that's behind the man that's, uh, that's going on. Uh, any tips on how to make sure or more likely uh, have both parties enjoy sex? Meaning we experience oftentimes the guy is the only one enjoying sex. Often because it happens so quick. Um, and you, you're like, I can tell the handwriting on some of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, there, there's a lot in that, and we don't want to just keep telling you to read a book on this, you know, or, or something like that, because there's a lot. But I will say this, and I said it earlier tonight, you are amateurs. Ladies, the man that you're with is an amateur, okay? And it is your job to train him to become a professional, at least with your body, okay? <laughs> That's going to get quoted, isn't it, right? <laughs> okay, I'm serious. Because I joke that the whole Lennel thing, you know, right? 50 ways to make him, you know, want you and, you know, 50 ways to turn him on and Lennel says, just show up. That's enough, you know? And there's, we're not very complicated, complicated when it comes to us guys in a lot of ways. Um, now, I think guys are moody and I think guys have gigantic egos, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff like that wrapped up in this. But when it comes to enjoyment, I think it's a little more of a challenge for you ladies. And, and so uh, helping your man figure out uh, what that means is, is, is important. Uh, is this the one that we're going to talk about, like getting aroused and intercourse? And, or is that I the think that this is, that's part of this one, okay. too. Okay. Bottom line is you're amateurs. He's an amateur. 